What is up, everybody? Welcome to Over the Top. You know, Justin, the last time we got together and chatted on this podcast, let's see, the group stages were about to finish. Morocco and Croatia were like just starting to surprise one or two people. Belgium was still the second ranked team in the country, no country, sorry, the world, second ranked country in the world. And uh, Messi, he was not yet a World Cup champion. It's crazy how much things can change in a matter of weeks. And uh, that's why we're here to break it all down. Justin, it's been a while. What's up, man? How are you? I mean, that was quite the World Cup, right? I mean, just sticking to the sport, stick to soccer. We're sticking to soccer. Um, Wow. I mean, the finale, probably the best soccer game I've ever seen. Um, Not talking about ever, just that I've watched personally. The storylines, the Cinderella runs, the big giants out early. Uh, We didn't because we recorded after the USA made it through to the groups or to the knockout rounds, but not necessarily after Germany was out of the world cup and Belgium was out of the world cup and Mexico was out of the world cup, right? Like all these teams you expect to make it through did not go through. So it's fantastic, fantastic theater and popcorn emoji ready to go. Yeah, I mean, describing this theater is probably the best possible way. And even I think the whole package makes this World Cup so interesting and fascinating, even with like, I don't know, if you think about the controversy and the corruption leading up yeah. to this and all the like the very the dark undercurrent of like this, the atmosphere around the World Cup with the country of Qatar and just FIFA's corruption in general, like that is just an interesting like side piece. Well, not side piece, but it's an interesting aspect to, in a sporting sense, I'm with you. This was the best world cup in our lifetime. I don't know about ever because it's hard for us to say, you know, right. We're still, we're we're, too young. We're a little too young for that. I random thought that popped in my head. Interject. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fantastic round of applause, Fox Soccer. I mean, what are we, I mean, just fantastic coverage. (laughs) Whoa, baby, let's go. Oh my God. Yeah. Fox, Fox soccer, Fox sports. They were just, they were terrible. And I was very disappointed when you informed me that, Oh, they've already secured the 2026 rights. They t- yes, they, they said have. nothing. They said nothing about any of the controversy because Qatar was what a major sponsor, right? Yeah. I followed them on Twitter just because of the, they post goal highlights because they have the rights. And I also follow the NBC sports, which has the Telemundo. Right. And they were actually promoting the National Tourism Center of Qatar. And they had like Stu Holden and Alexi Lawless go to different places and like try to promote Qatar uh, and Qatari tourism and that sort of thing, which is interesting because you had a lot of other, say, the English media or other media say like, you know, there's a lot of atrocities here. We're here to cover the World Cup, but they like preface yeah. it. Nothing from Fox Soccer. The no. second thing I want to bring up with Fox is Landon Donovan, the worst color uh commentator you've ever heard (laughs) that's really interesting because like the the bar is very low but i almost had the least issue with him (laughs) no okay i'm comparing it to rob stone who is like oh he's he's like the he's the studio studio guy guy. yeah he, he doesn't seem to know anything about the game whatever i'll give him a pass for that Alexi Lawless. I mean, what more can be said about Alexi Lawless? And look, I love Clint Dempsey, man, as a player and a person. But like, 
his analysis is not necessarily riveting. And while Donovan annoys me, just his voice, if anything, I at least felt like so he the, clearly what, at least watches games. You know, we're talking about two different things. I totally okay. agree with you on Dempsey's elementary analysis. And then whenever he brought up a stat, he's like, oh, look at me with my research that like somebody else on this Fox soccer team told you to say. But Landon Donovan actually calling the games with Ian Dark. Oh, who I is see. A, uh-huh. is a like legendary broadcaster both in England and the United States for his previous World Cup, specifically in Brazil and South Africa, where he was the oh, main yeah. guy. Uh, I think Ian Dark actually does a pretty good job most of the time. Oh yeah, but with with Landon Donovan, didn't seem like they had that much chemistry, and then just Landon Donovan's in-game analysis and just his charisma was just so monotone and lacking. I just couldn't get into it. It's weird. I don't really. I honestly don't really remember him doing a lot of the color commentary and I don't know why. Maybe I like tried to sweep it under the rug and erase it from my memory or something. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I mostly remember Stu Holden doing it, but mm. in the group stages, there's so many games, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, weird. I did wake up for a lot of these games to be fair. So yeah. like I, uh-huh. I get first text from you like at 1130, like, Oh yeah, I'm just tuning into the game. Like, what are we doing, Kyle? this man everyone this man literally changed around his whole sleeping schedule and i would get like my phone would be going off at like 5 a.m west coast time i don't know if you made it up for any of the 2 a.m games in the group stages but i mean honestly let's applaud justin like no sarcasm (laughs) i'm like it's better than what i I had crazy (laughs) it's just because i don't have kids really i mean you don't either but i think if you had kids you don't do those types of things anymore but no the only 2 a.m game i watched actually just weird situation but was the argentina saudi arabia game oh man yeah that's a good one alarm went off at 5 a.m every morning so i basically rolled out of bed and then like you know, it's yeah. going about my morning. And luckily, most of the best, the best matches in the group stage were normally the 8 a.m., 11 a.m. matches anyway. Yeah. So, um, yeah, except for the one you caught and probably Germany, mm-hmm. Japan is the yeah. other one that really sticks out. Yeah, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, uh, that was a tangent. So thank you, Fox Soccer, um, for your amazing coverage. And we can't wait for the Women's World Cup in 23 for you to do it again and in 26 for you to do it again. So fantastic. Yeah. Look forward to that. Getting back to the positives though, for real. I mean, World Cup final, Messi and Mbappe. I mean, we won't go through the whole sequential. Everyone's seen it by now, but like, holy hell, what a freaking game. I mean, just a, a cherry on top of like the best sporting World Cup in our lifetimes. And if if anything, I feel I I come away from this World Cup feeling like we're lucky to to witness this. I mean, seriously, despite all the bullshit and Fox Sports's coverage and the whole yep, yep. Qatar just being awful, you know, uh, as a host nation for many many reasons, just to be able to see it, it was very it became very clear. Like maybe when Argentina got to the semifinals, it felt like it was just Messi's time, right? Yeah, it felt like we were witnessing history, and to see. This man at 35 years old play by far his best World Cup ever for a country that puts so much weight and pressure on him and and unfairly compares. Well, maybe it's not unfair. No, that isn't fair, actually. But compares him to an all-time great like Diego Maradona. And Argentina, Argentine fans idolize Maradona for being like kind of from the hood and 
from the wrong, wrong side of town and he's conflicted and that draws Argentines towards him. Messi's understated nature has like weirdly enough, never really gone down well with Argentine fans. And to see him like, he didn't have to win them over, but like all of that is swept under the rug and no one even cares anymore. And Messi is just an, he's reached icon status. The photo of him carried on the shoulders of Sergio Aguero, weirdly enough. Uh, random enough, yeah. It just looks so much like the photos of Diego Maradona lifting the cup on someone else's shoulders. And it, uh, yeah, it was just iconic, iconic. I mean, that picture is going to be shown for the rest of our life. Yes. You know, um, the carried around throughout the, the whole stadium after the match with the World Cup on Sergio Aguero's shoulder. I mean, that's just crazy and yeah you've said that Messi has been knocked for not being as passionate or being passive and that sort of thing let me tell you this is the most passion I've ever seen from Messi in these games oh, as yeah. it got then and against the Netherlands and then Croatia his outstanding oh, performance give me this bobo give me this bobo <laughs> and you know that we both funny. I mean spoiler not really a spoiler but Vardial is both in our you know team at the tournament and he absolutely got worked by Messi absolutely turned yes Oh, like a top. He was just spun out of his mind. I mean, that was an unbelievable. I mean, there were a couple great goals of the tournament, but that definitely sticks out. And then also the moment against uh, the Netherlands, that assist he had was just eye the needle, eyes on the back of his head, just like we're watching a magician. And, um, you know, we didn't get that from all of our stars, the World Cup, which we'll talk about later, but. Messi was just a magician and just next level. And this World Cup was also significant. I mean, we'll talk more about it later, but just like to preface this a little bit, Kylian Mbappe is grabbing that torch like Mm. strongly from Messi. And I've kind of had my doubts about him over the years, but I was also just so impressed with Kylian Mbappe. And the stars, for the most part, except for someone we'll talk about later, the stars all showed up this World Cup and it was it kind of feels like the end of an era with like Modric, mm-hmm. Messi, Di Maria, Cristiano Ronaldo and all these players. It, it, it was kind of like a gap between them and then people Mbappe, Holland's age, Pedri. It was kind of this talent gap of like 10 years. I don't know. It's kind of sad to see the this like older generation kind of leaving, but we can't be that sad after seeing this though. What an amazing tournament. Since we've really, really followed. So, I mean, Messi and Ronaldo have been playing since both of us have really started following soccer. I mean, more more or less lives essentially of watching soccer. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is sad for sure, but I mean, it's happy. I mean, it's glory. I mean, tangent D Maria, big game player. Holy hell. He showed up when it really mattered, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Manchester honestly. United fans rolling around in their graves right now. Is the, no they kidding. remember his stint in United not you know going super well, but man, he shows up when the when the stage matters. But looking at it from a larger Argentina angle, I mean 2-0 against the Netherlands, clawed back, you know, the tall Dutch players, Emmy Martinez coming against uh, clutch in the penalty shootout. Dominate Croatia. You're up 2 0, 75 minutes uh, against France. And I thought they were utterly dominant, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, I didn't France even think it was even a in match. The game. Well, especially the first half. Other tactics were so wrong. The players just were caught out of position. Argentina, 
uh, Alexis McAllister and those types of players, Enzo Fernandez dominating. And I don't think that's underused. That might be no. not soft in the first dominating the midfield against France. And yes, I know France doesn't have Conte and Pogba, but they're a wealth of talent. They pull from all sorts of countries. They have their feeder countries that, you know, populate France, the squad. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, but then no matter what, you give up a stupid penalty, buried, and then all of a sudden it just takes one moment and Mbappe, as you said, stealing that throne and that torch. I mean, what a finish. Oh, with the second goal absolutely ridiculous and then it for a while it was looking like argentina were on the ropes and yeah. uh, when it was in extra time i thought france were actually going to pull away and win it and we we're gonna not be able to witness this messy icon moment but i don't know diego was looking on from above or whatever sort of yeah you know uh it's, uh you know sympathetic thing you want to say but emmy martinez real quick like he was a monster, not just through the various, like, I mean, he's also a mad shit talker and just a master shit houser. And I understand people hate Martinez. I get it. it, But like, he is a master of the mind games. Let me tell you after not just the, the penalty shootouts, but that save in the 120th minute after Otamendi's second absolute clanger. I mean, he almost cost him in the final, but Martinez with the save of his life with his foot, honestly, just this guy plays for Aston Villa. Side note about these Argentina players, Aston Villa and Brighton is represented in this team. Let's just, if you ever want to think about like symbols that the Premier League is really growing and dominating. I mean, there you go. Two mid table teams uh, have two of the best performers of the tournament. I don't know if that's crazy to say, but Mm. Mm-hmm. No, you're totally right. And Emmy Martina, I mean, the shit housery this guy has on the penalty and the dancing and like holding his dick and all the things. I mean, it's with that golden trophy. trophy. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, what is this man doing? Oh, he's oh. like 30 years old. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, as I appreciate the you know the shit talk when you're you know saving penalties and getting in the heads. Like he was doing all sorts of things to Schumani, upcoming great player for France, but. He was dancing on the like the penalty spot and roughing it up and then doing all sorts of weird and then Schumann shoots it wide. I'm all for that. But the award to do, I don't know. I know, so. dude. It's just like <laughs> it's in front of the much. host country. Uh, I know. It's not a And then in the locker room, they're just like he's like leading the chant of like trashing Mbappe. I don't know the exact words, uh, but they're like, you know, basically like Mbappe sucks, you know. Uh Which why? it's just not that. needed I, I mean he's talking obviously Mbappe is really good but like yeah he's a he's a shit talker it's very entertaining though I love it what I will say for anyone who's newer to the game uh or a, a newer viewer Argentina has always been like this like they they're the masters of the dark arts historically they always have characters like this and Messi is kind of an anomaly to all of that but this is the most fired up we've ever seen Messi with like being, I almost feel like he was trying to tap into the, that Maradona energy a little bit. Cause Messi's just always been such a like low key kind of humble guy or muted personality, but this one's a little bit different, you know, cupping his ears to Van Hall after mm-hmm. the Dutch game and 
saying, came us, Bobo. It's like, what are you looking at, fool, to Val Veghorst after the Dutch game, too? It's just all this crazy stuff. It, uh, but he also seems like the most like straight-laced of all the Argentina team. But look, first time we've seen Argentina win in our lifetimes. Uh, you and I are both confident that the South American team would walk home with the trophy. I think many people probably – your your brain jumped to Brazil, but it just felt like – I don't know. I felt something weird about Argentina and it wasn't logical. And that's exactly how it panned out. Not saying we have crystal ball, but like this whole tournament, it felt like there was this like weird aura around them that they weren't the best team, but I don't know. Something was going on. They showed up when they mattered. I mean, they had the players. I mean, we were all waiting for the Brazil Argentina collision course. Yeah. I think everyone had in their brackets. I think both of us did, but. You know, Brazil just couldn't make it happen, right? Neymar tried. He scored that goal. But Croatia, those old bastards, man, they show up. Yeah, Guardiola was in the way. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, Argentina, I have to say, let's go back to us for a second. I feel like we did pretty well predicting this World Cup. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some little thing. We both picked Argentina to win. We both mostly picked the surprise uh, surprises. We we little that was fifty fifty probably the disappointments. I thought we nailed. We nailed it. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I don't think we'll really talk about it that much later in the pod. But yeah, you're right. Uh, dark horses. I think we chose. I mean, I chose Denmark and Uruguay. They didn't even make it out of the group, and they were both surprisingly terrible. Yeah. Um, and we got Japan right though. We got Japan for sure. I think. I mean, I picked Japan to get out of the group. Uh, yeah, we both, we, we both did and Germany did. to get out. Yeah, yeah. we know that. The yeah. disappointments, though. I mean, we'll talk more about it, but yeah, Germany yeah. and Belgium, yeah, they just <laughs> bad, bad look. Uh, One uh, thing I will say before moving on, I just want to say real quick for France, I know they have a wealth of talent, but you alluded to it a little bit earlier. But for them to overcome all of their injuries leading up to this tournament and then in the tournament to reach the final, no matter how much talent they still have, is really impressive. No Conte, no Pogba, no Benzema. Lucas Hernandez gets hurt in like the first game. I mean, they had really bad injuries. I'm probably missing a couple other players I missed out as well. So, I mean, props to them and Deschamps um, for showing up again, honestly. And it looks like there's this next generation of great young players still coming off that talent conveyor belt. Mbappe easily has two World Cups where he's going to be dominant still. U.S. where he's going to be 27. I mean, mm-hmm. dominant, 31, plenty young enough. And then it will be 35 in the one after. So he probably has three more World Cups. I think he already has, what, 13 World Cup goals or something? It's 12 or 13, yeah. I mean, he's already he's high on, up on the list. He's on track to, like, blow out the record. Who, I think, close to his record? Miroslav Klose, I think. I don't know who else would be it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Man, the star what a up. player. All right. So other storylines from the World Cup. We talked about them very, very briefly. Morocco. I mean, this is a team I think probably both of us had finishing last in their group. Mm-hmm. They finished fourth at the World Cup. Not only did they finish fourth, it was not a lucky run. They were pragmatic. When they attacked, it was sophisticated. One-two passes. I thought Ziek and Amrabat and their um, striker, El Nes- No. Um, oh, yeah, and Nasiri. Right? And Nasiri, yeah. Uh, did a great job of just knowing what they're good at and capitalizing yeah. on other teams' mistakes. 
the teams that they beat, Kyle. I mean, Canada was a team that both of us liked, and they just ended up not doing very hot. Belgium, disappointment, but they still beat them. Tied Croatia the first time. Group of death, by the way, right there. Morocco made out of the group of death. And then Spain was like, oh, lucky. We don't have to play Brazil. We get to play Morocco. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) Easy win. Penalties. Spain choked. Then they run. Morocco runs right from Spain to the other part of Iberia. Portugal beats them, too. I mean, what a freaking run. It's insane. I mean, they were like, all right, let's we're going to beat this colonizer and then this colonizer and France. Let's three mm. for three, baby. It was just one uh, too many. I actually thought France was uh, a really poor matchup for Morocco because France themselves are really pragmatic despite all their talent. But they don't care they, about possessing the ball as much. Not France at all. Did. Yeah, no. But Morocco, they were deserved winners against uh, both Portugal and Spain, I thought. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think on their first game or two, I think in our group chat, we were messaging back and forth saying like, you know, they've got a pretty good squad. And I actually didn't realize a lot of these players played for Morocco. I mean, I knew and Nasiri and Bono for Sevilla mm-hmm. or Bono, their their keeper, who I really like. And I knew Hakimi was Moroccan, but Masrawi didn't know he was. I didn't know Saiz or the center back West Ham signed who he's been injured all season, but he played at this World Cup. What's his name? Um, Aguerd. Aguirre, like, yeah, yeah he's good unahi i've never watched before i mean it's a player to come out of left field that no one knew i mean unahi was excellent plays for like mm-hmm. Angers or something in france sofian amrabat i mean we'll talk more about him but holding center mid for fiorentina i mean he was excellent i mean they've got good players good players buffal decent uh well who's our other attacker I'm forgetting. Anyway, they oh Haki uh Ziek. Ziek, yeah. We forgot Ziek. How? Anyway. I mean, he was very good. I mean, for not playing at all for Chelsea, essentially. I thought he right. was he had a good World Cup. I mean, more than Eden Hazard. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, for sure. So yeah, props to Morocco. I did want to say real quick though, I think I think it's important to note that the Moroccan manager is actually Moroccan, and I think He's the first African coach to coach his team out of the out of the group stages and into the knockout rounds. So, you know, because Africa has this long his African countries has a long history of like getting French coaches and whatever to manage. I think it's an important step for African coaches to to see that representation. I just thought that was really cool. And they, if anything, they seemed so well coached and they were just such a cohesive unit. So, props mm-hmm. to him for that. Another cool stat is 15 out of the 16 managers that made it through to the World Cup uh, knockout rounds were from the country they were coaching. Interesting. That is yeah. awesome. So, I mean, you had Senegal, right, uh, get through and they... That's right. Um, is there another African team? I thought oh, you're right. Maybe it's, maybe it's to the quarterfinals. Must be the quarterfinals because there right. haven't been that many teams. Obviously, the infamous right. Ghana loss with Luis Suarez in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think there's been one since to the quarterfinals. Yeah. So yeah. No first African team to ever make the semifinals too, you know? Awesome. It's really And awesome. they're bidding for the 2030 World Cup. I think that would be awesome in that Morocco. Cool. Another storyline, I mean the knockout rounds, specifically the third match was just uh utter drama where you had South Korea and you had the Mexico game pushing for the third 
you had Germany going out to the Costa Rica, Costa Rica and Japan were going through at one point. I mean, bonkers, just mm -hmm. bonkers round. And I just, the entertainment with the two matches simultaneously is something that maybe only March madness can kind of compare to us viewers here, but it's just really unparalleled on a global stage. I'm really worried that we're going to lose that going forward with going to the 48 world or 48 team world cup. And if they do groups of three, you won't have simultaneous matches, but man, I really enjoyed what was offered in this world cup. I mean, there's always drama with the uh, last game of the group stages, but I don't remember. It felt like pretty much every single group had just some crazy scenario that could play out and, drama at the last day and because what i remember from the last world cup is uh korea beating germany to mm -hmm. make let mexico go through yeah um, beyond that though i don't really remember that much like last gasp drama but like son making that half field run pretty much the only thing he did the whole tournament by the way keeps up his bad form <laughs> this isn't a tottenham pod though so we won't go there but Goal and the extra extra time. I mean, God, the drama of the Mexico game and trying to push for that. Oh goal, man, just, uh, just and then um, the Uruguay, yeah, Uruguay, Korea, and Ghana. That was all in one. I mean, there's just bonkers, top to bottom. So you love to see that, and just you're you're totally right. There isn't really a parallel in you know American sports where like multiple games are going on at the same time that are the results are all related like that. So yeah, it's just yeah. I guess NFL last week, last week of the season in NFL. I mean, obviously, I think the most the thing that comes to mind for us is like Premier League Round Thirty Eight, where all the yep. games kick off at the same time. Yep. You know that's that can cause some drama. Not lately for the title race, but for top four for sure. I mean, Leicester blow it every year. Belgium and Germany, we've avoided them for a while. Belgium, you said earlier, ranked number two going into this World Cup. We all know FIFA rankings are a joke, but Belgium also just massive disappointment. Ricardo Martinez and crew. Terrible. And then Germany, you know, Hansi Flick coming over from Bayern, you know, new, some old guard, but a lot of new players coming up for Germany. And to be fair, I thought their young star, Jamal Musiala, looked really good. I don't think he's at fault for why. Well, he could have squared a pass, but neither here nor there. I don't think he's the, you know, the big reason why they're out. But Germany also just disappointment, disappointing at the back. They're for they got to find a forward. That's yeah. just massive. And they had the full crew guy, uh, mm -hmm. big, massive behemoth of a man, I think from Werder Bremen or Wolfsburg. I can't I think Werder Bremen, but they got to find a good striker, man. Yeah, I mean, both of these both of these countries teams were incredibly disappointing, but I feel like for different reasons, I felt like Germany is just like a, yeah, they still had great talent, but looking at this Germany squad is probably the weakest Germany squad in a very long time that I can remember. Mm -hmm. uh, despite a lot of the Bayern like star names, but I felt like it was just kind of like a personnel issue. Belgium though, it wasn't just the performances on the pitch. It was like this drama in the media too, with like, uh you know de bruyne before the tournament yeah. saying like we don't have a chance of winning we're too old and then defensively they're doing okay but they're not doing shit in the attack and Vertonghen <laughs> goes in the media and says yeah well, we didn't score because our attack is too old 
like tongue in cheek and just it seemed it just wasn't clicking or cohesive and for some reason you know Eden Hazard is still starting even though he seems like a totally dead footballer like I hate to say it because he was I thought he was going to be the next in line after Messi and Ronaldo but wow that has not worked out at all disappointing manager sacked as soon as the game is over and as soon as Belgium are knocked out and just the golden generation quote-unquote is truly done for belgium and yes. i actually wouldn't be surprised if they struggle to uh like even qualify for future tournaments i mean they still have good players but like we see this happen with countries even big footballing countries when they go through these like cycles like this so yeah 100 percent. i mean we've we've seen it so recently with the with the dutch right they have a lot italy of young players it'll, i mean i don't know how italy hasn't made the last two worlds that, that's I bonkers know. but i know yeah we've seen it i mean belgium's gonna be around they'll be at the euros you'll see them like they have too many telemans just they have too many good players to miss out on a tournament like that but the world cup is harder to get into right so we might not see belgium next time yeah let's see i don't know hopefully their fifa ranking drops a little bit so they don't get these high seeds in their european world cup qualifying we'll see yeah. By the way, Brazil is uh, Argentina is still not number one. That's so Which, dumb. I mean, I get on some level because I don't think Brazil were like bested by Croatia when they lost, but I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Just saying. Anyway. I don't know. We saw Brazil draw one one against Croatia, and then we saw Argentina go and take them behind the woodshed. Right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. What do I know, though? It's not like Argentina was number three coming in. It's not like they were number 15, and it's, it's like, true. oh, they got, you know? like It's true. Let, let, let's uh, let's not forget, they were Copa America champions going into this tournament. You and know? they bested Brazil in that, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. yeah, what do I know? USMNT. We haven't talked about them since they've been eliminated. They lost to the Dutch 3-1. to one. Some controversy after the tournament, swirling around Burhalter and Gio Reyna, what was said, what wasn't said, all the things. At the end of the day, Kyle, even if Gio Reyna didn't start that game, it was clear. I mean, they were out, out probably outmatched talent-wise, but clearly the the setup and the tactics were just not suited to beat the dutch they took advantage of every they exploited every weakness to its Mm -hmm. full effect that the u.s had yeah i mean it's part uh we were just outmatched talent wise and some poor performances but you'll get that look i think if we're being honest with the talent level on this u.s team um it was not a surprise to go out to the dutch and I, you know, I, it's not like we were spanked or anything, but we were definitely handled. Like, I don't know if it was easy, but we were handled. You know what I mean? But more than anything, you're dead on. Uh, Louis Van Hall, absolutely out tactic, Greg Burhalter. And it was so clear the difference between, I mean, I don't know if Van Hall is still a world class manager, but he has been in his day easily for sure. And he's been yep. around for 30 years or so. And, just to see him exploit all of our weaknesses, even with players who had good tournaments. Like I thought both Dest and Anthony Robinson had good tournaments. Well, Dest showed up here and there, but Robinson had a great tournament, but um, 
God, Denzel Dumfries killed us, yeah. who I think is a pretty average player. I honestly do. And they just those long diagonals, us, man, murdered us out wide. Mm. And uh, you know, it it was almost like playing out wide. It it kind of like kept the ball out of the center of the pitch, despite them having De Jong, because it, it felt like Van Hall knew our best area of the pitch was in the middle, mm-hmm. and it was like he just totally worked around that and. So where does that leave us with Greg Berhalter? I mean, I think we can we both agree that he holds us back, but I don't think this World Cup was a failure. I would still consider it a success, but this whole thing after the tournament, going out and saying, uh, basically spilling the beans at some leadership. This is irony thing, ironic thing. At a leadership conference, his one example of leadership he thought about was the Gio Reyna situation, and he didn't mention him. But through like it's somehow leaked that he's talking to G- about Gio Reyna and Gio Reyna admitted it, which I think he was being smart about because that's totally on Burhalter and his team if it gets out. I, yeah, what, I mean it totally. I mean it's on Gio for not training hard for sure. I for don't sure. know what you know. I mean he's twenty. You don't know what he said. You don't know if Burhalter actually said, "Hey, we don't plan to use you a lot at the World Cup," which is what he said what Gio claims he said, which is if true, that would be astonishingly terrible and he should be fired on the spot. But more likely he said, Hey, you're going to be coming off the bench for the first couple games or something like that. Right. And he took that terribly pouted. He admitted that was terrible and that was wrong. And obviously some of the players had issues with that as well, but you know, as a, as a team, like you, you move on. Right. And he thought you moved on. He had to apologize to the team and the team said stuff to him, but once you do that, I mean, we've both been around team environments, not something like this clearly, but we've both been on teams and stuff and player does something d- dumb. Like you just, you get over it. You have a bigger goal, right? I mean, you don't yeah. want to be doing this bullshit, frankly, like let's move on, let's win games. And so for it to come back out later after it's already done, it's from Burhalter is just so stupid. Really is. And all the noise I've heard from every USMNT player has been interviewed is they were like, We've moved on from this. And yeah, that's the right thing to say in the media. But that also tells me like they've all moved on from this. But for some reason, the manager hasn't. And I'm honestly, I did not think that Berhalter is going to get fired after the game, uh, after the World Cup, after being knocked out. But it seems like he's kind of lost the locker room. I don't know. I don't, I don't it's know hard if that's to know. True, but it's hard to know. We'll never but, know, but I I, do, I just don't understand what compelled him to to air all this laundry when the rest of the team is like, oh, we've moved on. <laughs> all I know is bizarre. would I rather have Burhalter happy and his system, or would I rather have Gio Reyna happy? I'd rather have Gio Reyna happy going into the yeah. next World Cup. So yeah, that's yeah, that's where yeah, I'm totally. at. I mean, I, I would I would go as far to say I think talent, pure talent wise and technique and ability, I think Gio Reyna is the highest ceiling of all the USA players. Honestly, I mean, it's not a hot take. I mean, it's not a hot take at all. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, the midfield trio was excellent yeah. for sure in the World Cup. So, yeah, said they're all super young too. So we'll we'll see them again unless some other fantastic player comes up. So it's exciting. Maybe not another Roldan, although, you know, he's he was always a vibes guy. He was never yeah. going to. He's like <laughs> the cohesion. All right. I like that description. Team of the tournament, Kyle. 
let's get into our best 11 who's in who's who's the best team who are the best players in the tournament i'm just gonna spoil goalie i don't think there's any other argument besides emmy martinez obviously the morocco keeper and the croatia keeper for sure you can have like you know silver medal conversations but yeah the the moments and the antics of emmy martinez are just unmatched going in making saves at penalties I think just the last save alone at the end of extra no time kidding. probably with the war. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. You'll notice that not only are our two teams pretty similar, but uh, pretty much most of the teams of the tournament that I'm seeing in the media are also very similar. And there are maybe like three positions that are up for grabs, something like that. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I am totally with you. Emmy Martinez, 100%. I think we also agree on right back. I mean, I struggle to think of who else was excellent in the tournament um, that can come close to Ashraf Hakimi. And it's interesting because Hakimi, we've always known him as the right wing back that bombs down, all attacking, all action. But defensively, he was Mm -hmm. just excellent as part of that Morocco unit. So, I mean, I don't think anyone can really debate anyone other than Hakimi. I mean, surely, right? I mean, nothing immediately come to mind. I'm sure somebody, one of our viewers will... DM us and be like, oh, how did you not think of this person? But nobody was on Hakimi's level and played the amount of games that he did against the big-time opponents that I laid out earlier that Morocco had to play. Vardiol, although he you know, was sent back to primary school by Messi, he is looking like one of the up-and-coming dominant forces in world football at center back. I'm thinking he has the ceiling of a Thiago Silva level van dyke level player yeah he's not yet but i'm saying he that's his ceiling and he's that's where he's old right 20. and he so he's going to be going for big money this summer yeah leipzig yeah. another one another player that they get that another red one. bull system another one yeah look uh spurs and i think chelsea were both linked with him in the summer and they're quoted for like 80 million pounds uh i can see why I can see why. And it's going to be a lot more. Yeah, it, we're, we might be looking at a world record fee for a uh, defender. I mean, for 2021, maybe at the when he gets transferred, uh, your old defender, that's at least 10 more good years you have of a yeah. center back, if not more, maybe 13, you know? Yeah. All right. I think this is our first one where we differ. So I'm going to go first. I have Romain Sice. Uh, people will know him from, may, might know him from his Wolves days. Uh, but now he plays, where is he? He's in a Turkish league, I want to say. Pretty sure. I'm not even sure. I have to look Yeah, can you look and fact Bas- check that, mate? Is he at Besiktas? I mean, there are all these like former yeah, I feel like league players there. there. But I mean, I thought he had a fantastic World Cup. I think he came out, he got injured during the latter stages of the World Cup. But I mean, just the Morocco back line did not allow a goal to an opposing team until the France game. I mean, that's pretty remarkable given that's the insane. teams that they the teams that they played. So uh, just another Morocco defender had to be in my team. Yeah, understandable. And yeah, he does play for Besiktas with Delhi and uh, <laughs> uh, Val, Val horse you know. Oh, come on. Burnley yeah, legend, Val Veghorst. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, that's a good shout. I mean, Saiz is one of the people I was considering. But for me, I look at this Argentina team and not just it wasn't just like, oh, I have to pick an Argentina player. Uh, or, oh, I have to wear my Spurs hat on. But I genuinely think uh, 
I think Christian Romero is the, the defender on this Argentine team that has really turned around what was a, a, a garbage defense only like four years ago. Four years ago. Argentina. Mm-hmm. And Romero, I also really like Lissandro Martinez and can't believe he was not starting over Otamendi. But Romero's the standout. He was excellent in that final game. And talk about another shithouser and a guy who's kind of crazy. Um, but I just thought he he really plays on that edge, but his performances were excellent. I think he was pretty poor against um, like a lot of the Argentine players against Saudi Arabia. But beyond that game, he just grew and grew. And like, God, what what a center back. So he has to go in there for me. But that being said, Saiz is a great, great shout. Left back, are we in agreement here? We're in agreement. I, I don't even know what the other option is, to be fair. No. There were not really any good left backs at this tournament. So Luke's Teo not Hernan- decent. You sure? Teo Hernandez gets the kick. I mean, Got how it. weird. You come in, you watch your brother get horribly injured, and then you come in and you do an amazing job. You know, is it controversial to think it's not even a downgrade to go from Lucas to Teo Hernandez? I mean, I see what you're saying, but d- different players. They but are different, if, yeah. For my outside back, I would actually prefer an outside back like Teo Hernandez because I want someone who bombs up and down. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, he he has his defensive deficiencies, and Lucas Hernandez is a great defender. He can even slot in a center back. But right. Teo, though, I mean, that goal he scored against, it was Morocco, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent. And he just bombs up and down. And we'll see him at AC Milan or some other big club for many, many years, I'm sure. We have a couple more agreements here. So we'll start with uh, the old ageless wonder, Luka Modric. I mean... Another masterclass of a tournament. I mean, he's going, Croatia only goes to penalties, it seems like, unless you're playing Argentina, but that's 120 minutes. Sometimes he can't finish all 120 and get subbed out before, but the amount that he runs and just the the passing ability of Luka Modric is just, oh my God, as both of us as center mids at point in times of our life. I mean, it's just like chef's kiss what Modric does. And even at his old age to go and do what he does is I'm just mind blown that he could be at that ability still. He still looks fit as a fiddle and he never loses the ball. Never. And he's just such a leader. And to, uh, to be where he is at now from like growing up and like, honestly in war, uh, he's one of the few Croatia players that actually grew up in Croatia too. And, didn't have to flee during the 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 war with um Serbia. So props to him. I think he is in that discussion for up there with the best center mids that we've seen in our lifetime. I mean Yeah, you I and I still have can, seen, yeah. I mean, as a pure center mid, because I'm not sure how much of a true center mid Zidane is, a bit more of a an attacking center mid, but I think of like Modric, Xavi, and Iniesta, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about royalty here. Modric is just magic. Uh, I think we're also, um, also as a bit more defensive center mid, I think we're in agreement about probably the surprising player of the turn or one of the surprises of the tournament. Uh, we talked a little bit about him for Morocco, but Sofian Amrabat holding center mid for Fiorentina. I mean, this guy is on the tip of everyone's tongue now. Uh, not just like a wrecking ball and just how much he played, but the grace and the positional awareness and just being able to survey everything that's around him. He just, I love the way this guy 
moves and breaks up play and him and Unahi, I'm pretty sure were up there as the two players that have ran the most at the tournament. And I think that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, the amount of defending and just defensive prowess and energy that the Morocco players displayed was so admirable. I mean, by the way, Morocco, this is a team that probably will be Africa's best for a little bit now. Their training facilities and their development program have gotten so good. I mean, if you... If you're ever interested out there and you look up Morocco's training facilities, it's world-class what they've done really? in that country. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, probably why they're host they're bidding to host the World Cup because they've really invested some in infrastructure. But yeah, Amrabat was a great find uh, in this World Cup and he's going to, he's probably going to go for some money in the summer as well, if I had to guess. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That you always have, an, I mean, think of 2014, the famous James Rodriguez World Cup in Brazil, yeah. where he was just amazing and also had an amazing goal in there too. So goals, I should say. So, mm-hmm. all right, here's where we start to differ again. Uh, we get to almost like this, not even a, just another center mid cam position. I think we have different right. formations, uh, but I'm going Antoine Griezmann. I was so impressed with him. I mean, he was at Barcelona. I think the narrative was that he'd fallen off. He can't run anymore. He's slow. He's, you know, He's gotten a little fat. You know, there's been so many rumors about Antoine Griezmann, but playing behind Giroud, almost in a cam number 10-ish position, uh, which is different from what he's historically played, and the the work rate that he had going back and tracking runners and defenders and then, you know, finding and outlet balls and some of his passing. I was so impressed with Griezmann in this tournament. I thought he was a real team player and gave it all for his country for sure. Yeah, that the the work rate was what was really surprising about Griezmann, but I think this was the first time I've ever seen him in the attacking center mid role. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Where does this leave him? I, I mean, that'll be really interesting because he can hardly, you know, get a lot of minutes at Atletico Madrid. Even though I think Atletico. Well, there was the Barca player. rule there. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Uh, that is a great shout. I basically. There were a couple players I was debating, but it was mostly between uh, Griezmann and I'm going to go with Jude Bellingham. Mm. I know England were knocked. It's it's kind of hard to consider Brazilian English players and you know maybe Spanish or Portuguese since they kind of were knocked out relatively early. But Jude Bellingham, I was so impressed with his performances for England. He stood out more than anyone else for this English team. I thought it was harsh that they went out to France the way they did against a, you know, unlucky for England to run into France. Um, yeah. The whole Harry Kane moment. But Jude Bellingham just plays light years ahead of his age with grace. As a center mid, he has everything in the toolbox. And I just forget this guy's 19 years old. And I know as a Dortmund fan, you're just like, well, you're going to be sad that eventually he'll leave. I actually don't think it's guaranteed that he'll leave in the summer, but we'll see. I... He'll get a whole lot of money for him, though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he's leaving, he's going to the Premier League, probably, unless Madrid yeah. bid. But I don't, I don't know. I think it's probably know. safer to bet on the Premier League. But yeah, Jude Bellingham's an excellent player. I mean, I watch him all the time. So yep. back up everything that you're saying. All right, wide, so we have wide attackers. Easy. <laughs> Messi and Mbappe. I mean, I think these are the first two names on the team sheet, right? I mean, yep. I, I don't even know what else we need to say about these this, players. I this mean, is Mad- their World Cup. 
I mean, probably the greatest player you and I have ever watched, Messi. And I don't think uh, we've always foo fooed the Ronaldo Messi debate, but now I never want to hear it ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's not like you have to pick a team, but I'm just like, let's also be honest and use our two eyeballs. Messi's an alien among humans, you know. Ronaldo is one of the greatest school scorers of all time. For sure, no debate, no debate. And I and I would go as far to say maybe even the most clutch player of all time for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Messi, just use your eyes. Yeah, come on, come on. Uh, here's where we differ. Uh, so I'll go first again. I have Julian Alvarez in there from Argentina. I mean, a player that is a backup at Manchester City doesn't <laughs> play that much, uh, and comes out and is replaces uh, Lutaro Martinez in the starting lineup. If we remember against Saudi Arabia, Lutaro started and he had like five offside goals. I think it was four, but he had like so many offside goals. Uh, some of those offsides were like a nose hair, I swear. But, right. Yeah. Uh, some offside goals. And then he just, Lutaro couldn't find his form at all in this World Cup. So here comes Julian Alvarez. And he, you know, he he makes the, he cuts off the angles and he's working. He's pressing the keeper. He's making things happen. That one uh, goal against Croatia where he just keeps running and the ball keeps bouncing right. off of him and it like falls and he keeps running. And so, just the the team player and the, you know a couple of the nice goals and finishing and you know being in the right spot at the right time is exactly what Messi and I think Argentina needed just a player that would do their job and do it willingly so I have Alvarez in there and he scored four goals this tournament yeah the boy wonder with uh the face full of acne yeah yeah he, <laughs> yeah his uh his uh runs um mostly off the ball when in possession I was just so impressed with. He just created so much space for Messi and co. Um, I feel like Alvarez is probably the name that I've seen the most in everyone's team of the uh, team of the tournament. And I 100% get that. I went a little outside the box because I wasn't actually super impressed with any of the strikers at this world cup. Uh I mean, Alvarez, Giroud come to mind, but I think Richarlison deserves a little bit of a shout. I know it's a little outside the box. So both of your outside the boxes have been Spurs players. Sorry, go ahead, continue. Yeah, I, I know, I get it. You think <laughs> Romero's outside the box though? Okay, all right. I have not seen anyone have Romero on their team of this uh, That's team of the World surprising. Cup. That's it is, surprising. I, I thought that that one is less out of the box for sure. I, I understand that Richarlison sounds kind of crazy, but that being said, I think it says a lot that well, one. I don't think Brazil were necessarily bad when they get knocked out by Croatia. I'm actually really surprised they got knocked out in general because the flow of the game wasn't going that way. I genuinely think, though, that Richarlison was one of Brazil's best players, which really surprises me. As someone who watches Richarlison week in, week out, and I think he's a good player, but I feel like he is kind of hitting another level. And even in the games where Brazil struggled, he looked like one of their brightest sparks. And I think this is kind of come from a place of I wasn't really that impressed with any of the strikers, but this guy had two of the goals of the tournament. Like I don't think anyone can question that with his bike and then the the team goal where he juggles it with his head and that interplay with I think Thiago Silva with the beautiful through ball. Yeah. Um, but it was also his off the ball running, um, his movement and his interplay. I was so impressed with the Charleston, but I'm sure people think I'm crazy. And you know what? I, I get that. I get that. But. Yeah, I mean, he, I, he had great goals. There's no no question about it. I get it. I, I just think it's funny. Yeah. It's I funny. 
that just they happen to be Spurs players. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention, I mean, he's not taught, he's kind of poo-pooed a little bit. Uh Joe Felix, I thought had a good tournament. And it wasn't oh, close yeah. to sniffing the tournament team of the tournament for me, but it's another player that's like Okay, out of Simeone's systems, very attacking, you know, getting out of that super ultra pragmatic system could be beneficial for him. So curious what Jao feel like. I'm not ready to call him a flop yet by any stretch of the imagination. I think that uh, the average passive fan would love to see him on another team. Come on, mm-hmm. let's not waste that talent on Athleti. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, I haven't thought about uh, an honorable mention player here, but... You know, I'll throw in Unahi from Morocco. I mean, yeah. I was just so impressed with this guy. That's just totally out of left field. So impressed. And might as well throw in Declan Rice for good measure. Declan, Declan Rice, Rice was fantastic excellent. all tournament. Yeah. In fact, even uh, I just think England's midfield three, I was really surprised how good Jordan Henderson was when he came into the team. Gotta say. Yeah, we were, we were shit talking a little bit when he first came on in the group chat. We were saying, what is Jordan Hendo? What is Hendo doing here? But he played well. He played Mm -hmm. well. All right. So getting into some awards here. So two positive, two negative. Uh, Player of the tournament for me. I mean, Mbappe, well, was so good and will start to dominate football and soccer for many years to come. I can't give it to anyone not named Messi. I mean, just the storylines and winning the World Cup and scoring seven goals and the assists, the run that he had against Vardial. I mean, yeah, stupid. These are the these are the two that have to come to mind. I I wouldn't be that upset if it was like a joint Messi Mbappe shared thing. I will say though, I mean, what uh, Mbappe had eight goals. Eight, I think it yeah. was eight after that's the hat trick in the final. I think that's the most that we've seen in our lifetime. I think. Anyway, I don't know. We yeah, we can check sure. it later. Yeah. That being said, though, Messi had seven goals and like was the top assister with four. I think it was so. Mm-hmm. Look, we're talking crazy numbers. Uh, so we're in agreement with that, more or less. Surprising player of the tournament. And I guess we're meaning this in like a positive yes. surprise. Um, here, I'll go first on this one. There, a lot of players came to mind. I even special shouted out Unahi, and I thought about that. But Alexis McAllister, mm. Brighton and Hove Albion, <laughs> the guy with the Scottish name, who plays for Argentina. I didn't actually realize that his dad was on the team that Maradona won, that was on the world cup winning Maradona game. And he looked even more Scottish because homie was actually like from Scotland. I, I don't, I don't know how it works. But Alexis McAllister though. I mean, let's put it this way. I'm not surprised Brighton are able to play some really good teams off the park when they've got players like Alexis McAllister and Leandro Trossard and, Caicedo and Estupinan. <laughs> I love that name. It's so great. I mean, they've got great players, but McAllister being able to switch in massive games between playing out wide and that attacking center mid camp position and his involvement with that second goal uh, against France in the final. I mean, this is a player that's just growing and growing and I'm, I'm so impressed with McAllister mm-hmm. breakout. Yeah, definitely great shout out. And, very curious what happens at Brighton. I'm sure he's going to be linked with all the top clubs now after winning the World Cup. It's just how it goes. Already is. Guess who? <laughs> I went with a different route. Uh, a player that's known and had the reputation of falling off, like I said earlier. So I went Antoine Griezmann. Little bit of a different route on this because he's been great. And, you know, the Euro 2016 comes to mind where he was fantastic in that tournament. 
But you know, he had the, he was falling off. He was out of favor in Barcelona. Came back to Atletico. Wasn't doing much. He's been playing twenty five minutes a game because of that clause with Barcelona, which is now eliminated. But he was fantastic, and you know, all the same reasons that I said earlier. So I mean, I was really surprised and excited same. to see Griezmann play. Good for uh, disappointing player of the tournament. Ugh. All right, the get your pitchforks ready. I, I tried really hard because I saw what you put, and I was trying really hard to think of an alternative, and I really couldn't. Cristiano Ronaldo. All the rumors swirling, you know, getting let go from Manchester United, which we covered previously, to the interview with Piers Morgan, to coming to the team and, like, pouting a little bit. To now and then being a sub, I mean, it was a bizarre tournament for Cristiano. Is the best it way was. to put it. It was I, like I don't, I don't want to overreact, but well, one, my first emotion. Uh, look, I've never Cristiano Ronaldo's never been my favorite player. I don't think I really hide it, but um, <laughs> I'm. This makes me really sad, dude makes me really sad and i'm just like very disappointed even though i've always kind of think he thought he's like a petulant child he's always kind of had that about him a little less over the years than when he was at like united back in the day definitely less at madrid because i mean they were just so good yeah what was there to be upset about but like what what did it for me is i mean yeah the whole thing leading up into the tournament I actually will give him a pass for his performances he's 37 years old and i kind of wish he like understood that and it's sad and I understand the ego kind of drives how great of a player he is but what did it for me is um, Portugal's amazing performance where they just absolutely smacked god who was it Switzerland Switzerland 6-1 in the round of 16 and the game where Goncalo Ramos replaces him this is like a 21 year old guy who probably idolizes Ronaldo and Ronaldo like doesn't join the team in celebrating and just immediately goes down the tunnel and just pouts and like every shot of him on he just made it all about himself at at a time when like Portugal has a lot of young talent and guys who clearly look up to him just was not a good look and very disappointing and after all the whole thing leading up to the World Cup with United and being cut in the interview and just acting like a petulant little bitch all season with United it just I'm really disappointed, man. I am. It's a bummer. It's a bummer for sure. But where will he go now? He's a free agent. Is he going to go to the Saudi Pro League? I hope not. We'll see. It would be a waste. Disappointing team of the tournament. I cheated and I have a lot. But the one that we have in common, I mean, we've mentioned Belgium. I mean, the the golden generation is now the, you know, the retirement generation as they're going to be phased out and... Who knows what that's going to look like going forward. That was might be rough. Not getting out of the group with Morocco, obviously now semifinalists, but Canada and Croatia, who is also an aging team, by the way. Yep. But they showed up. So yep. just everything disappointing about Belgium. I have some bonus ones. Germany, for sure. Disappointing. little off the cuff. Mexico. Mm. This is the worst Mexico team we've seen in a while. So... Now, with expectation with, with with expectation it's not surprising but i'm still disappointed in them and their performance especially against poland i thought they were just Terrible. super average which is not something we've seen from mexico in a long time 
and Martino, or sorry, um, yeah, Tata, right? Yeah, Tata yeah, Martino. Tata Martino. Just, I don't know, never could get it going with Mexico. And, you know, we yeah. complain about Greg Berhalter all the time, but he got the best of Tata almost every yeah. time, especially recently in 2021. We went three for three against Mexico. I mean, he just couldn't figure it out with this team. It's true. Yeah. What did it for me was not starting Edson Alvarez against Argentina. I mean, what are we doing? This is was probably the bizarre, probably the best player in all of North America. Uh, so anyway, I don't think I, you had one more, I believe. Uh, I mean, Canada. Two more? Uh, I, I said, I mentioned Germany, Canada. I expected them to do so much better. And they had the, I thought they played Belgium really well, personally. Yeah. I thought they played really oh. well that game. Morocco just absolutely Moroccoed them though. Like they did to every yeah. other, you know, Canada had possession in a lot of shots, but Morocco did Morocco. And then, you know, the Canada, when they played Croatia before they were out, you know, they started really well, you know, da- uh, Davies had that like early penalty, like second, third minute or something. I don't know if it's that. It was really early. And then Croatia yeah, came out and fired, like absolutely burnt them. Mm-hmm. Croatia said they were very motivated by Canada's coach saying that, you know, we want to like F Croatia or something like that. Yeah, so weird thing to say. Yeah. Uh, Classic English over exuberance because he's an English Englishman. I'm shocked. <laughs> Kyle, the Prem's coming back. Boxing day. Oh, shit. That's a thing. Wow. Five, yeah. five days away. Five days away. Five oh, days God. away. We have uh, the stars coming back. Some of them have played more than others. So... I mean, it's interesting. You look at all the teams and Manchester City obviously sent so many players to the World Cup and they've played a lot of minutes. Erling Holland famously didn't go, so he should be fresh and ready to go. But you look at, you know, teams that didn't have a lot of players relatively and, you know, one is Arsenal. So you think, oh, they should be good. But remember, Gabby Jesus injured at the World Cup and out at least until March. Right. So big problem, Kyle, even though he was not scoring goals for Arsenal. For a while, mm-hmm. you know, his hold up play, his linking, his passing, right, movement was so important for them. And I think there's just a massive drop off between him and and Ket and, and Ketia. Big time. Caveat, I will say, is they are in first place. And lucky for them with this break is the transfer window is right around the corner. So if there's ever time to spend, it's now, baby. Yeah, and their ownership seems to want to spend the money these days and it sounds mm-hmm. like a little bit of money's there not much so i'll be really curious what kind of route they go i mean you would think surely they'll buy a striker right because i think they were trying to they were thinking of buying a striker regardless uh mm-hmm. just you know having jesus and Nketiah. because i'm with you you know like we i know i had concerns about gabby jesus as a goal scorer but his all-around play hold up play and involving you know, the the wide attackers and Odegaard around the box, just Nketiah just doesn't have that. Not to knock him, it's just Gabby Jesus is great in that way. So, yeah, that that's a problem for Arsenal. I think it's going to be really hard for them to find a striker to replace him in January. It's January is tough to work with. Yes, especially and... this January. Everyone's coming back from the same tournament and the same break, and so... Teams don't have as many teams could still be in it or they want their play. It's going to be a weird transfer window. I mean, they'll probably want to look for a striker that wasn't at the world cup. Otherwise we're talking big, big bucks, unless you can get some, I think of someone like Jonathan David, but probably too expensive for who will ultimately probably be your backup striker. 
but he had a really disappointing tournament with Canada. So maybe, but we're still looking at like 50 million for him because he's killing it for Lil. So that's tricky, man. It's tricky. Ultimate chaos transfer. They, uh, they signed Cristiano. <laughs> oh my God. I think that'd be a disaster. It won't, ha- it won't happen. It won't happen. Bring back. Just, that would be, I mean, the, 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 the storylines would be fantastic for that. That's for sure. If, if Ronaldo goes anywhere in the prem, I don't think it'd happen because of the manager, but Chelsea is the right. one that makes sense to me. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I mean, what do we, th- what do we think is going to happen with the prem? I mean, a lot of fixtures coming up, right? I mean, you got the boxing day and then new year's day and all sorts of things going on. Manchester City, like I said, had a lot of players play. Liverpool did not. Thiago was set at home, not brought into the Spain squad. And, you know, Diego Jota was recovering from injury. Luis Diaz is injured again, had a setback. Salo didn't go to the World Cup. So what do you see from these teams? What do you think is going to – do you think that will have an impact? Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I would like to think, and I think the neutral would like to think that City will be really affected since they had by far the most minutes played by their players. Mm-hmm. They've just got such a big fucking squad. Yeah, I, I feel like it won't affect them. Like if any, if any club can manage a bill a billion games and eight injuries at once, it's Man City. So, um, yeah, I'm really curious about Liverpool because Liverpool have had a really I would, yeah, really poor season so far. Not a lot of minutes in the tank. Uh, like, you know, so I don't know, but Luis Diaz being injured and that that's really problematic. But Fabinho hardly played. Mm-hmm. Lee Van Dyke as a center back probably will be okay. Mm-hmm. Alisson, keeper. And Konate like the, played a little bit, but, you know, it's probably okay. Like, they'll be pretty fresh. So, um, Ultimately, I could probably see with Gabby Jesus being out injured. I think this hurts Arsenal the most simply mm-hmm. by one injury. And man, I hate to say it, but I think I think Tottenham might struggle because we don't have the deepest squad. Weirdly enough, second most minutes played of ha- had the second most minutes played of their players, if I'm phrasing that right, at yeah. the tournament, which surprised me. But, you know, Richarlison out injured. Uh, Benson Court picked up a little injury that, but not you know he'll be back in like Jan- like early January. So uh, Kane missing the penalty, I don't think it'll actually affect him because you and I know over years and years of watching the Premier League, like everyone always doubts Harry Kane, and that's when he shows up. So I, but you know he skied that penalty, and he will never forget that, and he no. will lose that will haunt him for years and years and years. Um, and then Son after having an indifferent season, you know, um, having another indifferent World Cup, it's just so. I think the North London sides will probably struggle the most, and I think Liverpool will probably benefit. Um, that being said, though, Klopp, I don't know. It it's kind of like unknown, uncharted waters, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, will there be a lot more injuries? Who knows? Because it's probably a mad fixture buildup in january right I yeah just imagine. yeah there's you know the boxing day and new year's day then there's midweek and then there's like yeah and then there's like fa cup comes into play you know in january really because the fa there haven't been that many fa cup games so far so it's gonna be busy one team we haven't mentioned that i think could continue to stay where they're at is newcastle united hardly mm. anybody from that squad went to the world cup 
And they have Alan St. Maximin back. They have Al Marone was in good form. Will he keep that up? Who knows? Callum Wilson didn't get a lot of minutes. Uh, Isak is coming back from injury. Um, and he was right. Swedish, so they didn't go to the World Cup. So they have all these players. Guimar Aish hardly played at the World Cup. I think he played a game. Yeah, or, yeah. surprised me. Yeah, so, they're only they're only players that got minutes. I mean, Shar played Char. every minute, but center back. And then yeah. Trippier started in the group stages before Walker got healthy, and that's yeah. that's it. That's it. So yeah. I mean, they they're very very healthy. So I I could see them continuing where they're at for at least another month because they're ready to go. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I feel like United players had a lot of minutes as well, but a lot of their important players either dropped out relatively early or like Lissandro Martinez for some reason not starting over Otamendi. So, I mean, Lissandro got some minutes. We got to see what the Varane thing is. Hopefully he's not out for a while. I know he went out in the World Cup in the extra time, I believe, with an injury, but I don't think it was super serious, but we'll see. One one random thing I want to shout out, maybe this is like a weird place to close it. Can you imagine winning the world cup and then going back to Aston Villa and Brighton. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're saying that's a letdown going from, you know, Alexis McAllister celebrating for like in front of like 5 million people in Buenos Aires. Those pictures, by the way, if you haven't seen it are just absolutely insane. Right. Uh, in Buenos Aires. Uh, and then going to like Midlands, uh, England. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for emmy martinez to play for a middling mid-table i mean at least McAllister's on the south coast supposed to be nice but yeah yeah birmingham is where aston villa is right like i can't imagine that's like a sorry to all the birmingham listeners we have but it just doesn't seem like the place (laughs) (laughs) i mean i know it's like you know put it this Uh, way uh peaky blinders ain't selling it mm. that's for sure (laughs) <laughs> well, well, we'll end it there. Any other thoughts on the Prem coming back? I think I've exhausted my list. Any, any other thoughts from you? I'm just going to pull up the what's oh, coming what? on Boxing Day. Boxing Day, one of the most exciting days of the Premier League calendar. And One, one thing I'll add, uh, Wolves have agreed with the Atletico Madrid, 50 million pounds, Cunha. Uh, so he'll come like the 1st of January. So they're they're ready to go. They're bottom of the table right now and they need goals and badly. So they're spending 50 million. That's, I'm really surprised that that's where they put the money because I don't think they're short in the wide attacking areas, which like I always seeing Cunha as a, not as a striker, but as like an exciting shifty goal scoring wide player. So I'm surprised they went with that, but no, they need, they've scored eight goals in 15 games. They, they need, they uh, need a striker striker. <laughs> yeah. Well, Diego Costa, I don't think is, uh, probably going to be it. I will say just on wolves real quickly. I think we'll see something different from them simply because of their manager. I think Lopetegui will have them playing much better stuff, but Will they score goals? That's a different question. That's the, the million-dollar question. So, Boxing Day... Uh, God, of course Tottenham has the early game. God damn it. Uh, Boxing Day plays at 6.30, but I'm in the central time right now, so that's 4.30 for you, Justin. On the I won't be watching that, no. Going. No shot. It's Brentford. Uh, Tottenham-Brentford, first game. Uh, other significant ones. Leicester-Newcastle at 7 a.m. West Coast time could be interesting. Uh... Villa's been really good since Good Evening took over and Villa and mm-hmm. Liverpool play. That, that'll be a good match. That's the 9.30 9, 9:30. Pacific. Yeah. 
And then uh, London Derby at noon where you're at Arsenal v West Ham. So it's a mm, pretty interesting. Get a, get a look at, you know, Arsenal, Odegaard's fresh. You know, you got Matt Martinelli didn't play that much. So, you know, they'll they'll probably be okay, but can they score goals? You know, Do, do City just not play or something? They play Wednesday. Wednesday. So they yes, don't play please. Boxing Day. Yeah. Yeah. And then United, taught, uh, Nottingham Forest on Tuesday. Chelsea Burnmouth on Tuesday. Burnmouth, new ownership group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is one of them, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. You know, of all the teams to put your money into, Bournemouth, you know, but interesting. I will make fun of them until they have a stadium bigger than 11,000. I mean, it's like a, it's, it's very charming. And I think that's the beauty of the Premier League. You can have teams like that. But like, you know, Bournemouth's been here now. They've, they've been yeah. down, they've been up. Like, you got to fill some more seats than 11,000. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What are we I doing? Know. I know. So yeah, Premier League is back. It feels weird. I haven't thought about Premier League in a minute. I haven't set my, uh, I haven't thought about fantasy Premier League in over a month. Got to look at uh, those uh, transfers right now. It'll be interesting to see who the starting lineups, uh, who's in the starting lineups for a lot of the big teams, given all the Premier League minutes. Um, but Justin, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and holy shit, the transfer window is like ten days away. Mm-hmm. Wow, Fabrizio <laughs> Romano is going to be busy on the keyboard. Yes, sir. We haven't really even heard any rumors or anything because everyone's been so preoccupied with the World Cup. And yes, so, and the only thing that's come out is basically the Cunha deal, really. Yeah, and that's based, and that's done. Essentially, he'll come over right away. So, yeah, and then yeah, some murmurs that. about what to do with Zhao Felix. That's really all I can. Yeah, but I don't. I think a lot of the transfers won't happen till later in the window. Yeah, you're probably right. You're yeah. probably right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it from us. We'll be back. Uh, we'll record a episode the week after Christmas sometime. We won't promise when, but we will sometime during that week. Subscribe and follow. I'm trying to think of anything else. No, we don't have social media. We do, but we don't use it. Anything else? No. All right. Well, we'll see you. We'll be breaking down all the games, Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham going to Brentford, Leeds and City and all the great matches. We'll see you next week.